This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. If you don't mind, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you of the story of Peter. And uh, many of you are going to remember this. We've talked about it here before. Uh, But it's going to build into what we're reading in Acts chapter 2. But in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, it talks about Jesus standing by the lake. And there were crowds of people gathering around him. And they're listening to him speak. And so he saw these two boats by the water's edge. And he went over and he got into one of the boats. And he asked them to take him out into the water. And he sat and he taught from the water. I think it's been said before, it was to help with amplification so that everyone could hear him and he wouldn't be so crowded in. He could talk to everyone and they would hear better. So he's out on the water and after he finished talking, he told Simon, who we also know as Peter, he said, go out into the water and and cast your nets for a catch. And Peter, he speaks back and he says, master, we've worked hard all night and have caught nothing. But because you say so, we will do it. And so they went out and they let down their nets and they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they filled both boats completely full of fish. What a miraculous day after fishing all night, catching nothing to experience this in just a few moments, both boats are full. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I want you to hear what Jesus said to Peter in this moment. Jesus says to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. Jesus was showing him how easy it was to catch fish when Jesus is involved. And he's saying, Don't be afraid. From this point on, you're going to fish for men. So it says they pulled their boats up to the shore. They left everything. They didn't say, let's go cash this in. They didn't say, wait a minute, I've got everything I have wrapped up in these boats. No, they left everything and they followed him. Why? Because Peter couldn't fish for both. That's really what Jesus is saying here. He he couldn't fish for both. One had to go. He had to let go of something old in order to make room for something new. He believed in Jesus enough to leave everything that he knew. His identity was in fishing. His finances were wrapped up in fishing. His investments were in fishing. Yet he's willing to give it all up in order to follow Christ and fish for men. He gave up an old thing in order to make room For something new. Jesus even used what Peter had been doing all his life in order to relate to this new calling. He said, Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. I'm going to take the same principles you used with fishing, and we're going to catch people. Now, as you just saw from that video, and as we've been talking about last week, and we're going to talk about this week, there's a lot going on around here. There's a lot of new things happening in this place, and it's exciting what is happening here. But with that comes change. Change means that sometimes we have to give up something old in order to make room for something new. And anytime change is happening, we want to ask ourselves, does this fit with what we're doing, with what we're called to do as the bridge? Are are the changes that we're making fitting with what God called us to do here? 
And that's why we're going to read from Acts chapter 2. Because we have this church called the bridge that is built around the first church in Acts chapter 2. So I want you to do me a favor. Right now, just look at your neighbor and just prepare them for the day and say, make room for the new. All right, will you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray that as you speak to us today, first of all, we are grateful for what you're already doing here for all the lives that are being changed. And God, what an exciting time to be a part of this. But I pray that you would prepare our hearts. God, that we would be willing to set aside whatever it is that we cling to, whatever's old, that we would be willing to make room for new today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. We're going to read 10 scriptures here. Let's see what happens to Peter here. When the people heard this... They were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now, why are they saying this? Because Peter has just delivered a message. Peter, the one who was willing to leave everything and go fish for men, is now doing so. And he's just delivered a sermon, and these people are cut to the heart, it says. They're so cut that they don't even know what to do. They're having to ask for advice from the apostles and from Peter to say, what shall we do? And this is when Peter understands, Jesus took me from fishing for fish to fishing for men. So he replies with this in verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to look at verse 39. This is something that's very important for us to see today to what Peter's going to say to them. He says, the promise is for you, your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now that sounds great in this moment. That sounds really good that it, that promise is for me, it's for those, my children, it's for those around me, but those afar off, anyone God's going to call, that's who that promise is for. And it sounds great, but I want you to find out what happens later. Just, just hold on to that line right there and keep that in your mind as we get to the latter part of this. But verse 40 says, with many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message were baptized and 3,000 were added to their number that day. Talk about making room for new. 3,000 people coming to Christ at one time. What a project. What do we do with these people? How do we disciple this many people? And as I read the next few verses, as I see what they were doing next, it reminds me of who we are as the bridge. I had to go back and look. I, I like refreshing this in my mind, and I want to refresh your mind as well. The bridge values, there's five of them. They're listed on our website. They're in the information we give people when they come to welcome to the family. We like to tell you who we are, and there's five bridge values, and they're this. We worship God. We make disciples. We give generously. We value our gifts, and we live by faith. And I want you to see Next five verses are going to explain why those are our values, because we're, we're, we're really modeling after the Acts chapter 2 church. So this is what it says, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is who we are. This is what we're experiencing right now. It's what God is doing right here. Are you not excited about this? Amen. I know I am. The last one on that list was living by faith. That's one of the things we are encouraged to do here is to live by faith. And if, if we're going to do that, one of the things we're going to have to do when it, when it comes to living by faith, you sometimes have to be able to put away the old in order to make room for the new. That's not always easy. It sounds a lot better on paper than when it comes to real life. Are you willing to make room for the new? We had an, a Third Street campus, the, what we would call the old campus, where all this began as community of faith. And we had to make the decision at one point that we were going to sell that campus. Why? Because we took what we made from that campus, we put money down on this campus to make the payment even less in order to make room for the new. And it's why we're able to take the Suddenlink and Salon buildings and now create a youth space. That was something we had to decide to do. It was a tough choice because we had the building over there, but it wasn't helping us as much over there as what it could right here on this campus. So we had to get rid of something old in order to make room for something new. Look at all that happened on this day in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, communion, and praying together. Wonders and signs and miracles were happening, and praising God and enjoying one another's company all of that happened because of one thing. Peter, the day he's in the boat, and Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of men. He was willing to set aside the old to make room for the new. And all of this is happening by the message that he presented to them as he led them down this road in Acts chapter 2. There's multiple results as he began to be willing to do that. And so as we apply this, I have three simple points for you today. I'll be honest with you, these three points don't go together. They don't rhyme. They don't make sense. It's not flashy. It's just three things I want to share with you as we're going through this today. So if you have the back of your bulletin, they're there. You can follow along with me. And the first point is this. Based on who we are, we will accomplish more together than alone. I need you to know that. We will accomplish more together than alone. That means it's going to take every single one of us. Not relying on the 30 that got this started to keep it going, but it's going to require all of us. We're going to do so much more together than we would by ourselves. And we live in an extremely fractious world. Politically, spiritually, theologically, philosophically. Something in us wants to fight against those who disagree. But the idea of strength in numbers is only true if those numbers are united, if they are as one. One brick is pretty useless, but you put a lot of bricks together, you can make a wall. One shingle is pretty useless, but you put a lot of them together, you can cover a pergola. Rachel, <laughs> you don't have to worry about a sunburn. The first church was small, but it had a large impact. The early church tremendously was blessed because they were unified. That was a large part of what kept them growing was they're together. They believed the scripture was important, so they studied it together. They believed that fellowship was important, so they did life together. 
They believed they should be generous, so they were generous together. I don't know if you've ever been to California. I never have. But I've heard about the California redwoods and how large these trees are. Get over 300 feet tall. They can live for over 2,500 years. Enormous trees. Yet they have extremely shallow root systems. You will never see a redwood standing alone because if it was alone, it will get top heavy and it will fall over. The strength of the redwood is not in itself. For every foot of height that it grows, it sends out roots three times as much. So if it's a 300-foot tree, there are 900 feet of roots going out in order to keep it standing. But these trees are locked to each other. There is no way one tree can fall down if it's held by the strength of the other trees. And it's the same with us as we're growing spiritually. We are growing not only towards God, but we're growing together. We're entwining ourselves together as to say when one is hurting, we're all hurting. We're hurting together and we take care of one another. And we're stronger together. And anything we attempt to do, we're going to do together. Can you say amen to that? Amen. We are better together. What we're doing is not just for the bridge. This is not just for a denomination. It is for the kingdom of God. And I love that by Acts chapter 4, it says that there was no needy person among them. Why is that? Well, Scripture tells us that because from time to time, those who owned land or houses would sell what they had and they would bring the money for the sales and they would put it at the apostles' feet and they shared it with those who had a need. Simple thing, but it reminds me of a few weeks ago when we began to announce that our students were going to camp. Youth camp and kids camp. And I've shared with you that someone, before we even asked, we didn't even have to ask, they called and they said, we want to sponsor some students going to camp. They gave $2,000 just to take care of students going to camp. And then family after family after family began coming to me and saying, we want to sponsor a student. If there's someone who can't go, we want to make sure they can go. You are taking care of one another. Thank you for doing that. Can you give yourselves a hand for that? Because I think that's pretty awesome. It reminds me of the Canadian goose. Now, I don't speak goose, so I don't know how they found these things out. I don't know who does that asked the goose about this, but I read this, and I believe it's true. But the V formation that you see geese flying in, did you know that a goose can fly 71% further when they're in the V than alone? They're helping one another out. The wind resistance. The honking that you hear They're not cussing each other out up there, okay? That's not what the honking is. They're encouraging one another. And actually, it's the ones in the back encouraging the ones in the front to keep up their speed. That's what you're hearing when you're hearing them honk. And I don't, like I said, I didn't come up with this. I just read it. But I think it's pretty amazing. When one goose falls off, maybe he gets ill and he falls off, two others will fall up with it and stay with it until it can fly again. And then they fly on. How amazing is that? I think we can learn a lesson from that. Just think how much further we can go together than alone. And so we can sit and listen to this and say, that sounds great. I can't wait to see what they do. No, it's what we're going to do together. We're in this thing together. And what we want to accomplish in this church will only happen 
if we do it together. The second point I want to talk about today is that we're not about size, we're about lives. As things begin to change, people begin to ask questions. Well, why are we doing this? Are we trying to be the biggest church in town? Or what are we doing? No, we're about bringing people to the kingdom of God. And that's the purpose for this. Just as Acts chapter 2. Again, we're modeling after that. It's not about size, it's about lives. We're a small church with a very big vision. Now, when I say small church, it's very easy to look and go, well, I mean, there's churches of 30 or 50 that would think this is a big church, and you're probably right. But then we can look at a church of 8,000 with seven campuses and go, this is a pretty small church. The reason I say small church is because it's not full yet, so it's too small. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we're talking about lives, this is a small church with a big vision that we want every seat filled in this place because that means that's another life that is not out there missing out on the kingdom of God. It's, it's subjective when we say small church. Again, you, you could compare yourself to another church and go, why can't we be like them? Why can't we have what they have? But I share with couples all the time when they're preparing to get married and we do premarital counseling, one of the things I encourage them with is don't compare yourself to others. Because you can have something great going on in your life, and when you begin to compare, it takes whatever special you have, and it squashes it. Because you're comparing to someone else, and you think, wow, we just got a house, but then you see what someone else bought, and you're like, but they got so much more. So we're not comparing ourselves, because we're not about size, we're about lives. That's why I'm so excited about this. But there's something important that I want to share with you this morning, and it's a simple statistic but it is so eye-opening. It's why we're diving into this all-in, trying to get this youth facility ready and trying to get a space for students. Because I was reading, George Barna puts out statistics all the time for churches. And I just read this week, 6% of Christians, hear me, 6% of Christians come to Christ after the age of 18. Six percent. What's that tell you? Do the math. Ninety-four percent come to Christ before the age of 18. Church, we have a mission. We have a job to do. And it's encouraging knowing what we have going on. It's scary because I'm going, are we doing enough? But then it's encouraging seeing those videos and seeing what's happening on Wednesday nights. We, it's, it's encouraging slash scary slash encouraging. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? That when I hear that, I'm glad that we have something to offer when students come in. But I'm like, are we offering enough? Is there more that we can do? And so that's where you come in. There is more we can do because we can do it together and we can reach the students around here and we can have something to offer them when they walk in this place. And it's why it's so important. It's why we're pushing so hard for that. Third point. This is probably the most important to me. If I could encourage you with this, don't be threatened by what is a blessing. Don't be threatened by what is a blessing. Let's look at Acts chapter 11. And I'm going to ask you, if you have your Bible, turn here. Because I want you to see the difference. Remember what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. They said, what shall we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. And he, what did he say? Remember the line I asked you to remember? He said, it's for you. It's for your children. It's for those who are far off. It's for all who God will call. 
Now look what happens in Acts chapter 11. Beginning in verse 1, what's it say? It says, The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Uh Uh-oh. Everything sounded good in Acts chapter 2. It's for everybody. But now the Gentiles are getting word because God's gospel was spreading. It's gone viral, if you will. It's spreading to everybody, and it's made it to the Gentiles. Look at verse 2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. So what's happening is they're trying to protect the old law because the old law said this is for the Jews. This is not for the Gentiles. This is for the circumcised, not for the uncircumcised. And they're trying to protect what is old because what is new is a threat to them. You understand what I'm saying? If you've been in church at all, you would understand this because how many churches have we seen split because one group is trying to protect what is old while another is trying to bring something new? Through the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, church after church after church because of worship music. Someone wanted to hold on to what was old while others wanted to bring in something new. Neither were wrong. In, in, in honoring what got them there, that's great. But sometimes we have to let go of something in order to make room for something new. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying that hymns were bad and worship music should be all there is. But what I'm saying is you have to be able to make room for, for something new by letting go of something old. What we're experiencing here is not a threat. It's a blessing. It's what we've been called to do, and our community needs us. The people outside these walls need us. Next week, we're going to ask something of you. I would encourage you to come back. I'm excited about next week. I'm excited to share with you. We're going to show you what that youth space could look like with some hands working on it, some of your hands helping us work on it, And with you being willing to help us and partner with us in giving to create a space so that we have something to offer those that are 18 and younger, that don't totally have everything figured out. Sometimes they act like they do when they're in your house. I can assure you they don't have everything figured out. And they're hungry. They're looking for direction and they're looking for love. And we have that to offer right here. That's all we're doing. For six months, Courtney and I, I mentioned that we had to kind of be youth pastors for a while. We, we weren't the greatest. We didn't have time to do the Friday night hangouts and all the extracurricular activities. We showed up on Wednesday nights and we loved on them. And students kept coming and kept coming and kept coming because they're hungry for that. We created a safe place for them to come. So that before the age of 18, we have this opportunity to share the love of Jesus with them. 
Is it over once they turn 19? No, we're going to keep seeking after them. We're going to keep coming after your aunts, your uncles, your mother, your brother, your sister, whoever it is that doesn't know the love of Jesus. But we want something when they walk in the door that we have to offer every age, from a baby to a preschooler to a young person. We want to show them the love of Jesus. Why? Because when you're showing them the love of Jesus, it gives the message of Jesus more credibility. It's hard to argue when someone is loving on you and caring for you and taking care of your children. Don't be threatened by the blessing. Peter began to explain to these who were threatened in this moment. Acts chapter 11. They're saying, how dare you go to an uncircumcised home and share a meal? So Peter explained how God had showed him a vision and explained how he had went through the process of understanding what God was saying and then he began to share that with the uncircumcised people. And look at Acts chapter 11, verse 18. Look at what it says. When they heard this, they had no further objections. Actually, they didn't just not have objections. What's it say? They praised God, saying, so then, even the Gentiles... God has granted repentance that leads to life. You can replace that Gentiles with any. So even a student, God has granted the the repentance that leads to life. There is no one that doesn't deserve to hear about the love of Jesus. Amen? There is no one that in this town, in this community, that doesn't deserve to hear about the love of Jesus. And that's going to come from us. What are we willing to do? The question last week, what do you have in your house? Remember? As the widow thought it not even worth mentioning, I have nothing in my house except a small jar of oil. But by faith, when she began to be willing to pour, it just continued to multiply. What do you have in your house? Don't be threatened by this blessing that God is doing something in this church don't be worried about, oh, we're going to get too big or we're, we're going to try too hard for young people. No, we're not going to forget about anybody in this place. We're just trying to get something ready for what God is about to do as we open this place up to our community that needs us. And I'm so excited about it. I, I just prayed this yesterday as I was reading through this and I was reading 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23, and it's Paul talking this time. We've been hearing from Peter. This is Paul, and this is what he said. Though I am free and belong to no one. I, want, I just pray the passion that Paul has here, that we can capture this. Though, though I'm free and belong to no one, I made myself a slave to everyone. Why would you do that? To win as many as possible. He was willing to be a slave to anyone. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became the weak to win the weak. I, am, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Why would he do this? Why was he willing to be a slave to anyone, 
to, to be weak to the weak, to be a Jew to a Jew. Look at what he says, verse 23. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. You and I, as we do what we're doing, as we make room for the new, willing to set something to the side, we're doing it so that we may share in the blessings. What did we talk about during the offering time? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We get to share in the blessings. Don't let the threat, don't be threatened by the blessing. I knew I'd get there. Don't be threatened by the blessing. If we could just have that kind of passion for reaching others. And this is why, again, we want to offer this. Because we as the bridge are partnering with you as a person with lost people in your life, encouraging you to share the love of Jesus with them, encouraging you to invite them here. Why? So that when, we, when they come, we have something to offer. That something is not flashy lights on the stage. That something is not a, a place where they can go have coffee. That something is the love of Jesus. And there's not one person that doesn't deserve to hear about that. Will you bow your heads with me? I want you to hear this scripture as you're sitting there. Paul said this in Ephesians Chapter 3, verse 20, he said, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. How's he going to do that? How's he going to do more than we could ask or imagine? It says, according to his power. But who's it at work at? It's at work in you and in me. You understand, it's his power that's doing the, the, the job, but he's doing it through you and through me immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in you and me. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I said this and I will say it again. As we eliminate our agenda, as we eliminate our thoughts of how things should go, as we eliminate the old. We're going to make room for the new. I encourage you to do that with me. By asking yourself, God, what needs to go in my heart? But not only that, God, what do I have to offer? What can I do as we are better together, as we can do so much more together? Not because of size, but because of lives. God, I will not be threatened by what you're doing in this place. I will not be threatened by what is a blessing. So Father, we are here today, hearts wide open. We don't know how it's all going to happen, but it's not up to us to know. It's by our faith. We live by faith. So Father, we're shoving aside some things that we've been clinging to and we're saying, God, we're making room for the new today. As our hearts are open, God, that you would speak to us. What part do I play in this? And as each one of us are willing to do so, there is no limit to what we can do with you on our side. We are better together. Unified 
living life together, sharing the love of Jesus together. God, just as those redwoods grew, we're not going to topple, we're not going to fall because we are growing together. Just as those geese fly, we're going to fly so much further together as we allow you to work in us and through us.